It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Welcome to my sanctuary, my library. We're going to have a great time of Bible study today concerning the contrast between being the cursed or the blessed. And of course, I'm sure if I asked you, I know what your response would be. Do you want to live under the fountain of God's blessings? Well, I hear, in a sense, a resounding yes coming from all over the world. We want to live under the blessings of God, and we want to qualify to be the blessed of the Father. But there are certain keys that open that door and make it happen. Let's focus our attention on what it is to be the blessed of the Father. This particular name for God's people is found in one of the last parables that Jesus gave before he left this world. In Matthew 25, we find the parable of the sheep and the goats. And I'll just read the first four or five verses, starting with Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What a profound statement. Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, that in itself is a supreme blessing to know that you have been in the mind of God and in the plan of God from the foundation. The scripture even says that you and I were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. So loving you has been a part of God's purpose and plan from the very beginning. And he refers to you as the blessed of the Father. But one very significant thing is that you are represented as a sheep and not a goat in this parable. Because sheep have a very submissive attitude. In fact, the way they walk uh, kind of demonstrates submission, the bowing of the head as they walk, contrasting that with the goat that tends to shake his head like he's saying no when he walks from side to side. And so the very appearance and nature of those two animals speak of the nature of of those who are among the blessed of the Father as opposed to the cursed. And the other significant thing that I see right away in this parable is that the reason God's chosen people are referred to as the blessed of the Father is not because of what they have, but because of what they do. 
because he goes on to say, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will say to him, when did we see you? When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or in prison or sick? When did we come to you? When did we do that? And listen to what Jesus said. The king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. And there's a real mystery there because quite often when we do things for prominent believers, well-known believers, famous believers, or believers who are in positions of authority, positions of notoriety, there's a certain element of fulfillment that some people feel because they're connected to someone deemed, quote-unquote, important. But when you bless those that are supposedly on the lower rung, those that are just common people, or even those that are really put down and broken and ostracized and uh, disconnected, when you bless the least of those, his brethren, then you're doing it out of a pure motive of love, a pure motive of humility and kindness and compassion. And that's when you really do it unto Jesus. But notice that, once again, it's not what they receive that qualifies them as the blessed of the Father, but what they do. And that is blessing others, especially those who need it the most. Because in the book of Acts later on, in Acts 20, verse 35, the writer said, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so the most blessed aspect of being among the blessed is the blessed opportunity of blessing others. And we'll get into that more in a future episode. But first, let me define what the word blessed means. It has a multiple, a multifaceted revelation attached to it, because that word blessed can be seen so many different ways. To be blessed means to be happy. It means to be supremely happy. It means to be enriched with benefits, spiritually prosperous, highly favored of God, and also, it means to be one who attains qualities of character that God considers to be the highest good. In other words, all through Scripture, you'll find the word blessed attached to certain righteous attributes that a person can develop in his or her life. And a good example of that is the Beatitudes, which we'll get to in just a moment. Most of the Beatitudes deal with character traits, and God assigns blessedness to those who develop that character that is God-pleasing. And so that's important to see. Now let's go to the history of the blessing of God, all the way back to Genesis. Let's roll the scroll back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 22, the first mention of the blessing of God and a blessed status. At creation, after God made the animals, the scripture says, 
God blessed them and said, and notice that wording, God blessed them and said, because quite often blessings are contained in these invisible things we call words. And the impartation of blessing comes when the word of God is received from God, and then he imparts blessing into your life. So God blessed the animals, and God said, be fruitful and multiply. He spoke into their makeup, their DNA, the ability to procreate, to bring forth other animals in their likeness. And that was the first sign of the blessing of God, the power of procreativity. And I believe one of the first signs of the blessing of God is our ability to impact the world around us and engender in others the faith that God has created in us. And then we are fruitful and we multiply our faith, our trust in God, our understanding of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. We multiply that by depositing it in others and by being fruitful in a spiritual sense, reproducing the faith that God's given us. Now, the next time you find a scripture dealing with the blessing of God, very similar, is Genesis 1.28. And that's after God creates human beings. And the Bible said, God blessed them, and God said to them, to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And he adds some things. And fill it and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea. So it starts out with be fruitful and multiply, but then it talks about filling space with the offspring that they would bring forth, filling the world and subduing the world and having dominion, which is a very important aspect of the blessing of God in your life. Because when God blesses you, he's going to take you into places and among people where there's a void that needs to be filled, where people are void of happiness, void of love, void of joy. There's a void that needs to be filled. And the sign of the blessing of God in your life is filling up the void and multiplying, again, what God's given you in the hearts and lives of others. But he said not only that, to go out and subdue the world, implying that there were three things that needed to be brought under subjection. And the sign of the blessing of God is being able to conquer the negative, to bring things under subjection, to have the internal capacity of conquering depression, conquering discouragement, conquering the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, rebellion when you find it against the truth and against God. You have the power to subdue these things and bring kingdom values into a world that is very opposed to that kingdom. And then God said to Adam and Eve, and have dominion. Dominion implies a domain. A domain is an area, a sphere of influence where you have authority. A king has a domain, and within that domain, he has dominion. It's a royal authority. And God gave Adam and Eve dominion over all the earth. Now, of course, they relinquished that 
to the devil when they submitted to his authority, and that's when a coup took place in the spiritual realm and brought this whole world into darkness. But now we're reclaiming the world by exercising the dominion that blessed people have. And to be among the blessed means you are blessed. And again, it means you're happy, supremely happy, enriched with benefits, spiritually prosperous, highly favored of God, and you're a person who goes after character qualities that God considers to be the highest good. The next time you find the word blessed mentioned in Scripture is not in reference to a person, but to a segment of time. The Bible says in Genesis also, that God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all the work which God had created. So God blessed a segment of time. Well, that's kind of intangible. How can you put your finger on God's blessing that rested on the seventh day? Because that was a day that God set aside for people to commune with him, to have, in a sense, a connection with heaven through his word, through his personal influence in their lives that would be heightened and magnified on the Sabbath day when they were not involved in earthly endeavors. And part of the reason he blessed the seventh day was not for man's sake, but for his own sake, because he desires communion with us. He blessed the seventh day so that we could have communion with him, but he also blessed it so that he could have a deeper measure of communion with us. And I believe God is into blessing segments of time in your life in different ways, not just the seventh day of the week, but he also blesses stages of your life, seasons of your life. He blesses certain hours that you set aside for him or certain trips or ventures that you take in life that you consecrate to him. And you ask him to put his blessing on it. You pray the prayer he told us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you invite the blessing of God into what you're doing during that period of time. Isn't that awesome to think of that, that God can bless specific times and intervene in the affairs of your life and intervene in the activities that go on during that period of time so that you notice divine influence that is unmistakable. And he can do exceedingly abundantly above anything you ask or think. I'll never forget how I prayed for one of my uncles for a couple of years in the beginning of my walk with God that God would visit him and God would save him, and it just didn't seem to be happening. So I decided I was going to take a trip all the way up to where he lived in Wisconsin, and I lived in Tennessee then, just as I do now. And I had to buy a new set of tires, spend quite a bit of money getting from Tennessee all the way up to the Wisconsin Dells, just outside the Dells where he lived, And God just showed me how he can bless immeasurably, exceeding abundantly above anything we ask or think. Because a few days before I got there, I was having trouble believing, because he lived in a rural area, that God could send even one person to him with the message of salvation. 
But right before I got there, a few days ahead of time, a bus broke down on its way to the Wisconsin Dells for a retreat. It was full of about, I don't know, 30 or 40 believers that intended to spend a week together seeking God. Their bus broke down right near my uncle's trailer. And it just so happened his nephew was the only one in town that really had knowledge of how to repair buses. But it was going to take a week, so they decided to have their retreat in my uncle's trailer. And for a week, they had services two or three times a day, Bible reading, Bible studies, praying, seeking God together, singing, worshiping. I couldn't have asked for that. I couldn't have even conceived of something like that possible. God can bless you immeasurably. And he gave his heart to the Lord. His children found out about the Lord and gave their hearts to the Lord. And and it was a wonderful turning point in their lives. Praise God for that. Now, the next time you find the blessing of God mentioned in Scripture is with Noah. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, it said, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, again, blessings are contained in proclamations. That's not only true with God, that's true with you. You can either curse others with your words or bless others with your words. You can say, ah, that'll never work out for you. You'll never amount to anything. You're just going to have a mess in your life. And sometimes, of course, that may be a true assessment of somebody that's walking in rebellion against God. But sometimes you're speaking negativity over that person's life that can have an effect on them mentally and just pollute the atmosphere around them. Instead, why don't you say something really positive, really uplifting, that I believe God's going to give you the strength and the knowledge and the wisdom to overcome this battle in your life, and I believe you're going to be blessed beyond measure. And your words contain a proclamation of blessing. And so God continued with Adam, even after the fall, declaring the same promises of blessing that he had given to Adam and Eve prior to the fall. So God didn't give up on his plan. And he said the same thing to Noah and his sons, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth because there was a new void that had been created by the flood. The blessing came after the storm for Noah and his sons. Maybe it's the same with you. Maybe there's a flood of temptations and trials and tribulations in your life, but there's a blessing that will come after the storm for the blessed of the Father. And remember, the blessed of the Father in that original parable that I talked about, the parable of the sheep and the goats, they were positioned at the right hand of the king because the right hand symbolically means a position of trust, a position of power, a position of authority, a position of intimacy, a position of shared secrets. You share your innermost thoughts with your right-hand person, whoever that person may be, and you trust that person if you have to place them in a position of responsibility when you can't be somewhere or do something. Your right-hand man, your right-hand woman is the one you put trust in. And so if you're blessed of God and if you're among the blessed, God can trust you. God can trust you with some very important tasks 
just like he trusted Noah with a very important task, and that was replenishing the earth after the flood. The next time you find the word blessed is a wonderful passage of Scripture, a very wonderful passage of Scripture, which is Genesis chapter 12. And this is where God visits Abraham. And immediately when he visits Abraham, he says, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you because there are conditions to receiving blessings. And we may get into that more a little later. But he says, first, you've got to come out. Get out from your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Obedience, obedience, obedience precedes blessing. And then God said, I will make of you a great nation. And he speaks this when Abraham doesn't even have one child. Can you imagine how mind-boggling that was, that God speaks a blessing into his life when there's absolutely no evidence of it happening anywhere? And God may well do the same thing for you. He said, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you will be a blessing. You shall be a blessing. Because if you are blessed, you become a conduit of that blessing to others. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. And in other places, all nations of the earth will be blessed. So all cultural groups, racial groups, national identities, all citizens of all nations, all people of all races and tongues are going to be blessed by you, Abraham. Can you imagine how mind-boggling that was for this man who was going to become a desert nomad, just in a little tiny tent, moving around through wilderness areas to believe that God could do what God said the ultimate outcome of the blessing would be, which would be global influence before he even knew anything about geography. It wasn't known in that day that there were seven continents. It wasn't known in that day how far-reaching this statement was. But God's brought it to pass because through the proclamation of the gospel and through Jesus, who was called the seed of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham is passed to the entire world. Isn't that amazing? And when God blessed Abraham, I love this. In Genesis 24, verse 1, the Bible said that God blessed Abraham in all things. That Abraham was blessed in all things. If you are one of the blessed of the Father, and there's really only two categories. You're either among the children of darkness or the children of light. You're either among the lost or the saved. You're either among the children of the devil or the children of God, and you are either among the cursed or the blessed. There's no middle ground. There's no hybrid animal that's a mixture between a goat and a sheep. If you're the blessed of the Father, you're among the sheep. If you're the cursed, you're among the goats. There's no middle area where you can escape commitment one way or the other, or a decision one way or the other. But anyway, <clears throat> here Abram, Abraham is blessed in all things. What kind of territory does that cover? It covers material prosperity because the Bible says Abram was very rich in gold and cattle and silver. Think of that. 
It's not wrong to have things. It's wrong when things have you. It's not wrong to be blessed with wealth. It's wrong when wealth consumes and possesses you and causes a disintegration of your morals and your commitment to God. And there's a whole set of temptations that comes with being blessed financially and materially. But it also meant socially, in human relationships, he was blessed in forging strong covenant relationships with various leaders among whom he dwelled, tribal leaders. And it meant the blessing of having a stable family uh, uh, situation as the family developed. Now there was internal struggles. There was some dysfunction, but the blessing of God that was on Abraham still flowed down through the family line to such degree it ultimately brought forth the Messiah. So he was blessed in all things. He was blessed mentally, intellectually, emotionally. He was blessed with physical health. He was blessed with old age. He lived a full life. He was blessed in so many ways. And if you're among the blessed of the Father, you should expect God to bless you in all things. It wouldn't hurt a bit for you to confess right now, I am blessed in all things, in every area of my life. I have one more thing I'm going to bring out, and then we're going to close this episode and take up where we've left off next week. But as we pass out of the the Old Covenant revelation of blessings, there's no way we can exit from the Old Testament without talking about Mount Gerizim. And that was the location where Half the tribes of Israel were standing on its slopes. 500 yards away on Mount Ebal, half the tribes of Israel were standing on its slopes. And in between the two mountains were the priests and an altar built for that occasion and the elders of Israel. And the priests declared the curses and the blessings. And you can read them in Deuteronomy 27 and 28. In Deuteronomy 28, which is our focus, verses 1 through 13, you find the proclamations of the blessings. And then after that, there's 54 verses with over 100 curses for the disobedient. But let me uh, just very quickly, I may not quote all of it, but I want to touch on the highlights of Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 13. Now remember, God is rehearsing in their minds what will result from obedience before they go into the land of promise, because God knows they will not be able to achieve dominion. They will not be able to fulfill the purpose of God without his blessing, and they will not receive his blessing without obedience. And so he starts out saying, it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. I love this next verse, verse 2. And all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So our emphasis should be obedience, not trying to manipulate God with the right kind of confession, but just obey God in your life. Then he said, 
you're going to be stalked by blessings. They're going to come on you. They're going to overtake you. And he said, blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. I claim God's blessing on my daughter. I claim God's blessing on my son. I claim God's blessing on my grandson because God said it right here. Blessed shall be the produce of your ground. I claim that for my garden. I pray blessing on all those plants we've planted, the strawberries and the pepper plants and and the squash and the watermelon, etc., etc. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and when you go out, and that includes coming into the world at birth and going out of the world at death. And I love this verse, verse 7, and the Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. You have enemies, demonic enemies, satanic enemies that have a satanic agenda to destroy you. But God said, if his blessing is upon you, he will cause your enemies to be defeated before your face. They shall come against you one way and flee seven ways. Lord, let that come to pass for everyone listening to this podcast episode. And the Lord will command the blessing on you. The Lord will command. If God commands, let there be light. Is there any way light could have been prevented from bursting into existence? Of course not. And God said he would command his blessing on you. And it would overflow into different areas. He will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all that you set your hand to. So everything you touch with your hands, God's going to bless it. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. He will establish you a holy people unto himself, that all peoples of the earth will see you're called by the name of the Lord. The Lord will grant you plenty of goods and increase, and the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season, and I claim spiritual rain too. And then verse 13, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall be above only, and you shall not be beneath. He'll put you in a place of supremacy, a place of dominion, a place of power, a place of overcoming, a place of having all your enemies under your feet and being enthroned with the Lord Jesus Christ and reigning with him in life. Now, this proclamation that the people shouted amen to, See, they had to put the seal on it by saying amen every time one of these blessings were proclaimed. And you ought to say amen because that means so be it, God. So be it in my life. It's a holy name. It's actually one of the names of God. In the book of Revelation, the Lord said, thus saith the amen, the faithful and true witness. So when you shout amen, not only are you putting the cap on a prayer, you're declaring God's attention on that prayer. But anyway, as you say it, you're really envisioning yourself in a position of authority, the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. I claim that for you today. And there's much, much more you need to learn about what it is to be the blessed of the Father. And I just urge you not only to listen to next week's episode, but the following week's episode, because we're going to keep pursuing this. And if you think Old Testament revelation was good, you wait till we get to the New Testament next week. Thanks for being with me. God bless you. 
Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shreve, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.